0: All right. well who's excited to be at church today? Come on, anybody excited to be here? (laughs) Amen. Well, we are, I know that there are some of you here that are here to see family members be baptized, and we're excited about that. We look forward to this every time that we do Made New Weekend, and uh, people that have placed their faith in Christ and are following Him in water baptism. So we're going to be able to celebrate that. It's going to be awesome. But we've been in a series uh, on the book of Ephesians, and a six-week series that we set aside time to just go through this book and uh, see what God's Word says specifically to us and what was written down. And uh, if you were here last week, come on, how many of you here last week? Last week, Ephesians chapter 4. Come on, wasn't that just an amazing message Lucas brought last week on Ephesians 4? He did a fantastic job. So thankful for him doing that. We were able to, uh, for those of you that don't know, we are this church was planted through an organization called ARC, and every year they set aside time for us to... Uh, for all ARC pastors to join together in a conference and uh, to learn and grow, and so last Sunday we were traveling. We were able to listen to the service, though, and uh, man, it just—it was—it was so so powerful, mm-hmm. so impacting. Um, today, uh, we're going to tag team today uh, on Ephesians chapter five, so you can get a couple of different perspectives on what God's word says in Ephesians chapter five. But I'm excited today because uh, if you've been reading. The book of Ephesians. You know that Ephesians chapter five is an interesting chapter in the Bible uh, because today we're going to get to talk about our time and how we spend our time. Uh, we're going to talk about. Come on, you came to church on the Sunday. We're going to talk about drinking. Come on, somebody. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage and uh, what God's Word says in all of these areas. So I know you're excited. Come on, just just loosen up a little bit. It's going to be all right. We're you know we're just we're going with what God's Word says and that's where we're going to be today. So. Uh, we're going to start, and what I want to encourage you to do as we go through this is, uh, it's 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 easy sometimes to fall back into maybe how you grew up or what you were taught early on in life or or somebody's uh, somebody's interpretation of something that they placed on you, and so what we're encouraging everybody to do, ourselves included, even as we were studying and preparing for this, is to just take off all the religious glasses and and all of the things that. Uh, maybe have caused confusion or caused, you know, uh, turmoil in relationships and and different things in in your life. And we just want to see what the Bible actually says and do our best to live that out. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're going to jump in, and I'm going to let you, if you'll, jump in with verses 1 through 2 and and get us started.
1: Um, Just a couple of practical things. I had a few people ask on these cards that Aaron had mentioned about. It's just your name. And Impact Church, so they know where to give the cards back to. Um, and then we'll we'll contact you for your card. And then also, if you, for the first time, if you have um, a child in kids service, the way that we contact you, if there's anything with your child that happens is we text you. Um, so we don't have a number system and or anything like that, so it, you'll just receive a text. So um, I just want to let you know, because I know we have a few first-time guests today. So um, anyway, so we're going to begin in verses 1 through 2, and I'm going to just start off and pray. So God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet. And God, we thank you for your um, guidance that we have through your word to know how to live God and to follow hard after you we just love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus name amen 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 Amen. verse 1 we're gonna be reading right now from the New Living Translation so imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children live a life filled with love following the example of Christ he loved us and offered himself As a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So, as Christians, we are called to imitate God in everything that we do. But I wonder if we could truly say that everywhere we go, in everything that we do, are we imitating God? The reality of it is, as humans, we're not perfect, so we're never going to be able to achieve perfection. But the goal is, is that as I, I got this visual of as I look in the mirror, am I looking? And, and looking at another woman's image to be who I should look like, or am I looking to Christ to be who, I, who I'm looking to? So I'm looking in the mirror saying, Christ, help me be more like you. Um, and we can learn from each other's strengths and weaknesses, but we look to Christ, that we imitate his example. And the reality of it is, is that we can't, um, we can't live a life filled with both love and selfishness. We're called to follow Christ's example and love like Jesus, and he did that sacrificially, like he gave the greatest sacrifice, thankfully, that none of us will ever have to give by dying on the cross, and, and so we have that example of what that looks like to sacrificially love, and we are called to love.
0: Yeah, and we could even, I like this statement, it's that you can't live a life filled with both love and selfishness. So it's, it's going to be one or the other. So you're either living out of a place of love or you're living out of a place of selfishness. And so it's just an opportunity for us to look inward and say, hey, what is the fruit of my life? Yeah. What is it that I'm producing out of my life? Am I living out of a place of love or out of a place of selfishness? Um, going on verses 3 through 7, it says this. It says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And I find it interesting, you'll see this as you go through Ephesians 5, but really throughout the entire Word of God. There are a lot of instances where it says, hey, this is not for you. Instead, do this. This is not for you. Instead, this is actually better. And so that's what we'll see a lot even as we go through this today. So instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an, is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. I think really the... Um, if we wanted to break this down, I think a lot of times the issue is that we put things and we put people above God. And so God is no longer the number one priority in our life. We've placed a person or we've placed a thing or we've placed a habit. We've placed something that we enjoy and not that things that you enjoy are bad, but you just can't place that above God. And so when that, when that becomes somebody or something that's above God, now you're actually serving that thing instead of serving God. And I, I love that, uh, in some translations of the, this verse, if you read it in other translations, it'll say that we're not to even have a hint of these things in our lives. In other words, don't even play around with it. Why would, why would God tell us not to play around with something? Probably because it's not the best thing for us. And he knows if we go down that path and if we even entertain a little bit of this, that it's not going to be good for us in the long run. And so there's protection there that we're not even to have a hint of these things and this statement that would apply to all of us, I like this statement, is that the truth is in your footsteps, your walk reveals your king. Mm. So we can all say things, anybody ever said something but you didn't walk it out? Mm. We can all say things, but on the flip side of that, we, what we say has to be backed up by how we walk and how we live our life. And how we live our life and how we walk really determines who we're serving. And in this statement, you know, your walk reveals your king. So you can say that you're following Jesus. But the question would be, do your actions and your footsteps show that you're following Jesus? Because how you live life will show everyone the fruit that you are producing, right? The Bible says we will know them by their fruit. The fruit that you are producing reveals who or what you are serving, and so it's an important thing for us to pay attention to that nothing gets in that place above God.
1: That's right. And verse 8, we're going to begin again in verse 8. For once you were full of darkness, but how you have light, now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. If you heard a few weeks ago, um, Gabriel actually spoke on... Uh, that it's time as believers that we wake up. And I immediately thought that when I read this scripture. But I like how uh, verse 10 tells us to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And here's the great news is we don't have to figure that out because God gave us his word to help us determine what pleases the Lord. God gave us his word to lead us. So how do we know if we're walking in the light? We know that as Gabriel already mentioned, by the fruit that we show. His word tells us in Galatians what the fruit of the spirit is. So we bear that fruit, we manifest that fruit and that is light to those around us. That is light. He's given us the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit and as those things are, are walked out, we are light around us. Verse 8, it's one of my favorite of, of these is if you can have a favorite. I mean, the whole Bible's great, right? But Verse 8, it's one of my favorites because of its directness. It's just fully. You used to be full of darkness, but now you, as a follower of Christ, you are full of light. So live like it. Live like it. I love, you know, here's the reality of it. Some of us struggle more than others. Gabriel, he's a lot more patient than I am. But here's the reality. I have patience within me because Christ lives within me. And his fruit lives within me. And so he will help me walk that out. Do I always walk that out? No. No, I don't. But he's given that to us, his fruit to bear, to manifest to others.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a picture of, if you can, if you can see it like this, that uh, you were once in darkness and now you're in light. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you being a reflection of the light that is shining from Christ onto you and into your life and out of you. Yeah. So it's almost like you're a mirror. That everywhere you go, and I would I would ask you this question: When you, wherever you are, when you're at work or when you're with your family or you're with friends or whatever, when people when people get around you, um, do they sense light? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy for us to slip back into you know we like we've stepped into light, but we don't really want to shine our light. And here's the reality: light exposes, but not not in a condemning way. Um I believe that when you're being a mirror, whenever God's light is shining through you into the world, that when when unbelievers uh, are around you, that there will be something about you that lights up things in their life, and so they'll begin to they'll begin to think like, well, I don't know, I know where you came from and what you used to do and the life you used to live, and now it's like you're completely different. And it's a light that's being shined and there are things that are being exposed inside of them, not through you being condemning to them, but through the way that you're living your life. And now that there are things and there it's God is working in them to say, Hey, you can have that too. Mm-hmm. There might be some things inside of you that need to shift or that, you know, you need to surrender your life to Jesus or whatever. And so you're able to shine that light. Um, into other people's lives as well. So why don't you take verses 15 through 17?
1: And before we before we move on from that, um, I, there was a time before. Gabriel began in full-time ministry. He worked at a bank for several years. And he wouldn't tell this story, but I will. Um, he, one of his previous coworkers, um, they were in different positions at the bank, but um, they tend to work alongside each other on their breaks. They talk sports, whatever. And so, um, But several years back, after Gabriel and him had both gone separate directions, um, this man contacted him. And he said, hey, man, I just wanted to let you know that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And the reason why I wanted to let you know was because you played a part in that. And, and I don't say that as like, a, oh, my, you know, he's just so great. What happened was he didn't sit here and tell this man, you need to accept Christ. You need to love Jesus. You need to quit cussing. You need to No, he walked out light in front of him. And that light planted seeds that led to him coming to know Christ and I even think about this next Sunday the kids each one of the kids at impact um, they're going to be getting um, each one of them will get a glow stick and they're being reminded that they have a light inside of them but what has to happen to a glow stick in order for it to glow It has to be broken, right? It has to be activated. We have light within us, but we have to choose to show that light. We have to choose to be that light for others. And so we're not only, we're reminding the kids this next week that, I mean, how many of you are thankful for kids' leaders? Okay, seriously? They are back there loving on your kids right now, teaching your kids. I am so incredibly thankful. We have four of our own, and they don't just love on them. They don't just... um, they don't just manage them, they teach them. And I am so incredibly thankful for them that sow seeds. So if you see one today, when you go pick up your kids, tell them thank you. Because they are loving on your babies today, and they are teaching them truth. So, um, so Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to to do i heard a pastor say that we have a choice to see our delays or our disappointments as divine opportunities and i i thought man how true is that because we get to choose are we going to be frustrated about this delay or are we going to focus on god maybe there's a divine opportunity here for me i think about this one time when i um, had set up to schedule pickup at walmart and it got canceled and I ended up having to go in. I was frustrated because I said, I don't have time for this. I don't want to have to go in. And, but then there was a cashier that I was able to encourage because she was just in a really rough season of life. That was a divine opportunity. And I, I really think that there's a lot of times I and we as believers, we miss divine opportunities because we're allowing the frustration of the delays or disappointments or our own hurriedness to miss it so we don't want to miss it because the word tells us to make the most of every opportunity and here's the way the amplified bible translates it it says therefore see that you walk carefully living life with honor purpose and courage shunning those who tolerate and enable evil not as the unwise but as wise sensible intelligent discerning people make the very most of your time on earth recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity And using it with wisdom and diligence, because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. And once again, I say, like, here's the great news. We have a God that is living. We have a God that likes to speak to us and will teach us and show us what his will is. And then also he's given us his written word which is an incredible tool to be able to lead us. Verse 16, though, it's talking about the opportune moments that we get to seize. We have to choose to seize. And the Greek word for making the most in this verse means to buy up at the marketplace or to rescue from loss. I just think that's so interesting, to rescue from loss. Opportunity is regarded as a commodity to be used by believers. You know, we hear the term redeeming the time, and this, this part of Scripture reminds me of this book that I've been reading. It's called Take Back Your Time, but she said in there that we too often let our calendars tell us where we are supposed to be instead of evaluating if it's where we actually want or need to be, and I am like super guilty of this myself, because we can get just so busy, not even with bad things, I know with us, with our four kids, we can quickly just be chasing them from here to there, and it's not bad things that they're doing, but our time is just completely spent running, but we have limited time, you know, the scripture tells us that life is but a vapor, and we don't know how long we have this could be it. And so we want to live as if every moment's our last. And we, we hear the term to spend your time, but we do spend our time. But the question is, are we spending our time investing it or are we just spending it? Are we spending it? You know, um, I, I know for us, I don't see anything wrong with TV. We personally like to watch some shows on the television. But there's a lot of times if we're not careful, we'll just waste our time watching shows instead of really investing I'm um, using our moments, our free time to invest. I don't think there's anything wrong with relaxing. I don't think that there's anything wrong with chilling. But I know even for me, social media it can quickly zap my time away. And I realize, like, I haven't even really invested those moments I had. It, it just things that are time killers that we're not really investing. And so just asking is what I'm doing, am I investing in something that I'm going to, um, that's going to be worth it tomorrow? Um, Paul is telling us that the way we live our lives, it matters. The way we act matters. The decisions we make matter. The way we spend our time matters. Because here's the reality. We're all known for something. It's just what do we want to be known for? We're not called to live this life to please man. We're called to be a, a pleaser of God. Okay, we're called to seek after God, but the reality is in the way that we walk out our life, we're going to be known for something, and what do we want to be known for? And I don't know about you, but I, at the end of the day, when my time is done, I hope, most importantly, I love, I love that we get to um, lead an impact, but most importantly, I hope that above all, every human on the planet, my four babies, at the end of the day, they'll be able to say, she loved Jesus, My mama loved Jesus, and she just did whatever he told her to do. And at the end of the day, that we're known for that as cross followers. They love Jesus, and they just love people like Jesus loved people. Just so important that what are we known for? Verse 7 calls us, it's a call for us to stop asking what we can get away with and ask what pleases the Lord. And, and I would even, you know, ask you to ask yourself, are you more focused on trying to figure out what you can get away with? What, you know, almost like straddling the fence of it, it's not quite a sin, but, but are you really doing whatever you're doing because it pleases the Lord? And so asking him, what is your will for me? What do you want for me today? Because this is the day that he's made. It's his day. What do you want for me today? How do you want to use me today? That it's not about me. Uh, Pastor, yesterday, he said, he's been, he's been a, um, a man that's spoken into my life since I was a child. And he said, uh, he said, it's either, a lot of times we as humans, we're focused on my way, your way, but it's all about Yahweh. way. And I just loved that. Um, If you knew him, his name's Lee Armstrong. And if you knew him, you'd kind of get it. He's just, uh, he's that kind of guy. But he just said it, and I thought, how true. Like, it's about Yahweh. It's not about my way. It's not about your way. It's about his way. And so that we're living our life to walk in his way.
0: Yeah, and I think we've all been there. You can probably think of a time, if you just think back to where you were more focused on, or I was more focused on how far I could go and it not be a sin. (laughs) <laughs> versus seeking every day, what is it that pleases God? Yeah. What is it that he wants me to do today? Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of, and, and sometimes we just get our focus off just a little bit. And instead of saying, what is it that pleases the Lord? Uh, we're focused on, well, what can I do? and What can I not do? And, and uh, how far is too far? And, and different things like that. And so it's just an important thing to pay attention to. And I want to jump into uh, verses 18 through 20. And we'll read this, and uh, many of us are familiar with, with, especially verse 18. You've probably heard it quoted. You've probably heard it used in various different forms. Um, here's, here's what I want to do today. I want to give, uh, give you our perspective, and uh, I'm going to share some other scripture as to why this is the way that, that I believe and how I interpret this. Um, but here's what I'm asking you to do. Um, ultimately, when push comes to shove, you have the Holy Spirit right. inside of you. And so you have, to, you have to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is, is saying to you. Mm-hmm. So verse 18, uh, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, what I want to start off with is we have to be, we have to be careful as human beings that we don't take one verse and create a doctrine out of it, um, and I know that we're all going to land at different places on this. And uh, there's the opportunity. I have the awesome opportunity right now to offend half of the room. So, <laughs> so just bear with me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some other scripture as to why I believe this way. Um, I don't believe this is a scripture against drinking. I don't think, I, and I've heard this, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've used it in this way, and uh, I, I think it's okay for us to agree to disagree, mm-hmm. um, and for, for you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is, what is your conviction? Because uh, we all come from different backgrounds, and so there are people in this room, listen, there are people in this room that have struggled with drinking too much in the past. Mm-hmm. So for them, when it comes to drinking, it's a No. It's a no, because I know where that has taken me. I know the life it has led me to. I know that the place that I had to come out of was because of the decisions I made, and it was too much. And for me, it's a hard no, right? There are some other ones, like you know somebody that's been that. So if I know somebody, or you know somebody, and you're around somebody, and that's been a struggle for them, it's, it's probably the Holy Spirit in that moment is probably going to give you a no, because I think that what plays a factor into it as well is being a stumbling block for other people. So it's not necessarily just this cut and dry, black and white thing. Um, I think there are limits to it. I'll read you some scriptures that kind of that lead me to the conclusion that I come to. If you look at Luke chapter 7, these won't be on the screen, but Luke seven thirty three and 34. Uh, Jesus says, For John the Baptist did not come eating bread or drinking wine and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Um, I think this is an instance where, uh, where we're told, like he says that John the Baptist, in other words, what I think he's saying is John the Baptist came and he didn't eat or drink anything. The Son of Man comes and he's eating and drinking and hanging out with sinners and trying to reach them and, and and, and being a part of this, and either way, you're trying to find something wrong. Either way, you've got, like, John the Baptist did nothing, and you said this about him. The Son of Man comes, and he does this way, and you've said this about him. Like, he's making the point, ultimately, that no matter what, you're going to find something wrong either way. Right? We also know in John chapter 2, if you read John chapter 2 and read the whole story, uh, we know that Jesus turned water into wine. He's at the wedding, first miracle that was recorded that he he did um, in his ministry, and so he turns water into wine. And I've and I've had people that have said before, and and everybody's entitled to their opinion. You have an opinion about this, I'm sure, but people have said, well, it was like back in the Bible, it was non-alcoholic wine. I don't think you've read the story. <laughs> like you, maybe you stopped after that. I don't I don't know, but but. Like after Jesus turns the water into wine, then, he, then there's somebody that's there that says, what is this? Mm-hmm. Normally people bring out the best wine at the beginning. And then when everybody has had too much to drink and they are drunk, they bring out the inferior wine. Mm-hmm. He says, but you have saved the best for last. You've brought out the best now, right? And I know there are some of you in this room, right? And, and we're talking about this. This is in the Bible. If we can't talk about what's in the Bible at church, then we have a problem. But there are, I know, like, I am well aware that there are some of you in this room that you are so uncomfortable (laughs) right now. Because you, like, you really don't even know it's been a struggle for you or it hasn't been a struggle for you. And you really don't know where you've landed or you've been taught one thing growing up. And I'm just telling you, there are some instances in the Bible that lead me to believe that. And I'm going to tell you what I think that verse 18 is referring to in just a moment. Uh, there's another instance where First Timothy, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul is encouraging Timothy, like, don't just drink water. He's got some stuff going on. He says, hey, just drink a little bit of wine for the, the issue, for your stomach, for the things you have going on. Listen, this is not, okay, we're not passing out cards when you walk out of church today saying like, hey, I went to Impact Church and they said we can all drink. And so we've all got our little card when we walk out the door. That's not what we're saying. What I'm saying is, be careful not to create a doctrine based on one verse. You have to take the entirety of the Bible. And Jesus, he talks about drinking too much. And I do believe there's a line. I think the Bible is clear that there is a line that you don't cross. You cannot go over this line. And here's how, here's how I would say um, that we can kind of determine maybe where the line is for you. If it, if it gets to the point to where you are arranging your life around opportunities that you have to be somewhere to drink, it might be a problem. Yeah. If you're looking for opportunity to be able to do it, maybe it's a problem. Mm-hmm. If you're arranging things around like your schedule and around and whether or not you're going to go to things based on whether or not you'll be able to, Maybe it's a problem. I'm just asking you to ask the Holy Spirit. I don't, think this is a, I don't think this is a verse where we say, see, see, you're not supposed to do it. Because what I think this verse is referring to, if you think about why do, why do people get drunk, right? You're looking for something. You're looking for fun. You're looking for peace. You're looking for not to feel what you've been feeling. You know, you're looking for freedom from something. And here's the reality. Alcohol can give you those things for a moment. But it's like chasing something that is false. And that's why I think that he says, he, it's one of those instances I talked about at the beginning, where he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. If you take it too far, if it, becomes, if it becomes above God, if it becomes something that's a problem, if it becomes something that you're arranging your life around, it will ruin your life. But instead, instead, hey, here's a better way to find what you're looking for. Here's a better way to find something that you're trying to get from that or whatever else it is in your life that you're trying to find it in. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that is the ultimate way that you're going to find love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and freedom and, and, and ultimate fulfillment in your life. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah.
1: And what we want to encourage you with as well is, you know, as Gabriel said, this is, this is where, what we believe. But ultimately, we want to encourage you to follow what you feel convicted about because this isn't, a, as he said, like a justified, well... Pastor Gabe just said, I can go buy a bottle of wine. It's no big deal. One, we follow laws. And, you know, maybe in here you say, I'm a teenager. Well, you know, you have to first be of age, obviously. So, but at the same time, number two is what are you convicted of? Because, you know, I have three siblings and even though we were raised in the same home, by the same parents, we all have different convictions. Yeah. There's some things we land in the same place on, the core things. You know, we believe the same way. But there's some things we just have different convictions. And it doesn't make it right or wrong for the other. You you know, our job as Christ followers is to ask, what you, what's right for me? Because what's right for me, it might not be right for you. Now, if it's according, we need to be living according to what the Word says, regardless. But just encourage you follow what you're convicted about because Holy Spirit convicts it's not this is not about condemnation this is about conviction and you have to follow what you feel convicted about
0: yeah and just and just just saying you know hey for me I don't feel like I should awesome hey for me I don't want to be a stumbling block for somebody else or for somebody to wonder awesome like, it's, it's not a, this is what I believe, and so I need to force that on everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, the Holy Spirit has spoken this to me, and so this is how he's called me to live in this area. Mm-hmm. And I heard one person say one time, they said, hey, occasionally I'll have a drink, but I don't do it very often because I like it. That's wisdom.
1: Yeah.
0: That's wisdom. And so you just got to ask the Holy Spirit, and, and what is your conviction? What is your conviction? I do think, ultimately, there are lines that are not to be crossed, and I think the Bible speaks clearly about that. Yeah. But what is your conviction on this side of the line, yeah. if that makes sense? So, anyway, let's get, into, uh, let's get into marriage.
1: All right. So, verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word submit here, I believe that we've got to define it rightly because I think as a culture, we've there's been some skewed views of what that looks like. And so honestly, maybe maybe you're in here and you're like, I really hated that we were even going here today because this whole chapter makes me cringe, you know, because maybe you've just heard it in a, in a poor way. I hope not. I hope that we don't look at any part of the scripture and cringe, but at the same time, some matters are more difficult for our hearts to deal with. But the word submit means to yield out of respect. The call to submit is for every Christian. We are called to submit to Christ, called to submit to one another for unity. You know, um, even I read this, that choosing to accept each other's differences is what brings unity not that we all think or feel the same all the time obviously we have situations where we're called to submit to authority how many of you know you won't have a job if you don't submit to your boss we're called to submit submit to one another first submit to christ then submit to one another submit to authority but jesus submitted to the father and even we I mean, we've all, hopefully you've heard it, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted to his father's authority, knowing that it's what needed to be done. And I'm so thankful. So submission is an act of respect. It's an act of respect between equals. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife. As Christ is the head of the church, he is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you, wives, should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands... This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault.
0: And I'll finish the last few verses of this. But one thing that I find interesting, um, because many of us, uh, we've, we've heard the first three verses of this quoted a lot. Um, and a lot of times it's in a negative way, mm-hmm. but one thing that I found interesting was that there were three verses written to wives and nine verses written to the husband <laughs> three verses written to wives and nine verses written to husbands and so let's go on and then we'll talk about this for just a couple of minutes and So again, I say each man should love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Um, I, I personally think that verse 31 is the key to interpreting what this really means. Because verse 31 says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Before we can understand what this is talking about, we first have to realize that we are one. Mm-hmm. That when, when we get married, two become one. And he says this is a great mystery. In other words, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around how that happens. Right? Because we still see two people. But we're one. But we're two. But we're one. And we have to understand that we are one. And here's the reason why I think we have to understand that is because if we are one, if we are one body... There's not a competition That's right. within the body. Mm-hmm. It's not a, well, you didn't do this, and well, you didn't do this, and so I'm not going to do that, and so I'm not going to do that. that. There's not a competition. Um, and just some things that I jotted down uh, that I felt like would be, as I was studying this, some things that I found um, at digging into these verses a little bit is that, you know, the husband is called, in the Word of God, the husband is called the head, but the head doesn't mean overlord. And there's a difference. Um, There's no, if we're one, there's no me better than you. That, well, my, like, well, my role is way more important than your role. And so I'm better than you. It it, it doesn't operate in that way. Uh, The head doesn't boss around the body. They work together as one. They communicate, they protect, and they care for each other. And I think we have to be careful because this is referring to marriage. So sometimes we, we want to take this, and and he's saying it's a great mystery to understand how marriage is a picture of Jesus Christ and the church becoming one. The church being the body and Christ being the head. And verse verse 22, uh, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands, that a lot of times, if we're just being honest, some of you right now, when you hear that, you cringe. Right? Because you, you had a... a Terrible view of what that meant. Here's, here's what I think that means if you study it. Um, submit to your husbands. Let him lead. Because there's a responsibility there to lead in the marriage, to lead in the family, to lead, you know, spiritually, to lead in those ways. And it's, it's just saying, hey, there's a call on his life to lead. And so whenever you whenever you submit to that, you're just allowing him to lead. It's not that you don't have an opinion. It's not that, listen to me, it's not that what you say isn't right. It's not that you don't share. It's just that you say, you know what? Ultimately, I'm, I'm going to trust the God in him and the call in his life to lead. And so I'm going to allow him to lead. And I love 1 Peter um, and you can read this verses one and two in chapter three. It gives us another great picture from the Amplified Bible, uh, some more in depth as to what this is talking about. So, yeah.
1: and I want to encourage you, just as he said, it's not that you don't share like share your thoughts. All of our marriages are going to look different, and what's right for us may not be right for you. But I know in our in our case, like he hears what I ha- have to say. You know, like if I'm if I've got a bad feeling about something, I'm like, babe, I just don't feel good about this. Okay, so, but I, I'm going to be fully honest with you. We've been married for almost 15 years, and there was a time where I did not allow him to lead, and I was hindering our marriage. Um, and by not allowing him to lead, I honestly, I just didn't, I, I was not doing what I was called to do, which is allow him to lead our home. And, and it's important that I find my security in the Lord, that because I let my husband lead, I know that we are one, and that what I have to say and how I feel matters, but he still leads. Even here, when, I, when you see me speak alone, I've submitted to his authority. I'm still his authority as the pastor of this church, but he leads, and, and that's a good thing. That's a God thing. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't, he's not over here. If you see him, you'll often hear me say when, when I speak of us, I say we. Because we do this together. And it is about we But it's important that we're doing what God has commanded us to do as husband and wife. And 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2 in the Amplified says, In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God, and so partnering with them, so that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion, by the godly lives of their wives, when they see your modest and respectful behavior, together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God.
0: Um, a couple other things on this, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, it's interesting if you go back to verse twenty-two in Ephesians five, it says, uh, "Wives." This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And if you study that, the word it doesn't mean the word as doesn't mean in the same way. Mm-hmm. It means as a part of. So as a part of you submitting to Christ, mm-hmm. you're submitting in this way. That's a, that's a way that you are submitting to Christ. Submitting is not crawling under a rug. It's, it's a respect thing. And here's, here's, what, I, here's what I find interesting. Because we've, we've listened to and been to some, some different conferences. And, and, and watched and listened to a lot of marriage teaching. Um, where people have taught on different verses and different scripture in the Bible. And the consensus is always that it comes back to uh, men and women. So husbands and wives have different primary needs. So the need, the primary need of a woman or of a wife, is security. It's, it's the need to know that you love me more than anything else and you would lay down your life for me. That you would put me first. That you would lay down your life for me. And that the number one need, it always comes back to the number one need for a man is respect. And, and I find it interesting that the God who created us, who gave us these needs, who wired us this way, has said basically, in essence, it can, it can kind of be summed up in this way that husbands love, wives respect. Mm-hmm. And that works together. Yeah. And it's a picture of, uh, we may have this on the screen, that wives are called to let their husbands lead, and husbands are called to lead by putting their wives first. And here's what I, here's what I see when, when, when you read this in its context and you see how God designed it, it's a win-win every time. Because she's meeting the deepest need in me, and I'm meeting the deepest need in her. And isn't it crazy that God designed it that way, and he knew that? Yeah. It's, it's not a bad thing. For many of us, we viewed it as a bad thing, or it's been taught in a certain way before. It's not a bad thing. It's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. It's a 100% chance of success in marriage when you do it God's way. You know, and so God who designed us and wired us differently... Knows what we need mm-hmm. from the other person. He says, hey, if, if you'll do this, it'll make this marriage work. If you'll do this, it'll make this marriage work. And, and it's leadership. But, but men, I can't stress it enough. We're called to lead, husbands, we're called to lead by putting her first. Laying down our life, being willing to lay. It says love her as Christ loved the church. And he laid down his life Amen. for her. He laid down his life for you. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And we'll, we can end with this, and, and then we'll pray for you, but, and we'll go and bring the worship team back. Um, it's, it's not a picture of, well, when he finally does his part, I'll do my part. Or, well, when she is finally doing what she's called to do, then I'll do what I'm called to do. It doesn't say that. It says that if we will operate in this way, it works, and it's a win-win. Amen. And it's me saying, no matter what, I have made the decision that I'm going to be willing. I'm going to put her first. I'm going to love her as Christ loved the church, and I'm going to be willing to lay down my life for her. Yeah. And her being willing to say the same thing on the other end. Mm-hmm. And when we're, both, when we're both doing what God has called us to do, then it works every single time. Every single time. And I know we know that this is heavy. And honestly, it's hard to talk about. But it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's in the Word of God for a reason. Mm -hmm. He inspired Paul to write this down for a reason. And it's because we needed to know, hey, here's how I've designed it to work. And if you'll operate this way, it's a win-win every single time.
1: Will you stand to your feet? I think it really just even ending on that part about marriage and, and just as in our life as Christ followers as we talked about Ephesians 5. It comes back to I'm not going to love, I'm not going to respect my husband and love him in a conditional way. He's not going to show me love and take care of me in a conditional way. Just the same as we're not called to follow Christ in a conditional way. You know, this last week we had, um, as he said, we went to a conference and Christine Kane, she, she reminded us, um, she was sharing about Paul. And she reminded us of, of, honestly, how many times I've even said this in my life, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this you know how many of you have said that before whether at your workplace maybe even in your marriage I didn't sign up for this but here's the reality we signed up to follow after Christ so that means to follow his commands that means that no I didn't know it was gonna go down this way but I signed up to follow after him so I'm gonna respect him with all I got not conditionally Are we going to mess it up sometimes? Absolutely. But we're going to follow hard after him. And just as we talked about, you know, we've covered quite a few things in Ephesians 5. But it all comes back to I'm following after him. Not in a conditional way. Not in if it fits for me. But in what does he command us to do? What has He commanded us to do? I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come forward. We're gonna play one last worship song. I think, I don't know how we're gonna do baptisms.
0: Well, actually we'll do baptisms first.
1: Hey, even better. This is like one of my favorite, I mean, I cry on every single person, I'm just so excited. But we still wanna give an opportunity for prayer if if you are in need of it today, if you want someone to agree with you. Because our biggest challenge to you today Ask Holy Spirit, what do you have to say to me about Ephesians 5 today? Maybe you found yourself and you're like, I I disagree with you guys. That's okay. Ask him. Follow what he is telling you. Because our command is to follow the word of God and follow Christ. So I'm going to pray for you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are the giver of time. And, God, we know that life is but a vapor. But, God, I pray, Lord, that we spend it, that we invest it, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you help us to keep our eyes on you, to be the light to others that you've called us to be. God, to walk our marriages out sacrificially, Father. God, we thank you for who you are. God, that you love us. God, that you have given us your word to lead us. And I pray right now, Lord, that you just help us. Help us to follow hard after you. No matter the cost, follow hard after you. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father.
0: Amen.